0: Good evening. Welcome to Hiadi Radio. I'm here with uh, Kirk and uh, Dee, and I'm reading uh, a post in the uh, chat room here and it sounds like uh, one of the uh, programs that we did uh, last week was uh, banned from uh, YouTube for salty language. Can you imagine? Ooh. Now, you know, I did uh, what uh, 10 years Ooh. of syndicated radio, uh, 5 days a week, uh, 3 hours a, uh, a day and Mm-hmm. The, there are the ten or so words that you're never supposed to uh to say on the radio now if you actually research them, there actually is no rule they're just the guidelines and and there's certain things they they prefer you not uh say and then there's some uh, words that you you just shouldn't say no matter what because it's not a an effective way to uh to communicate so okay. I'm reasonably um, disciplined in terms of, uh, of not using any of the words that would get you in trouble uh, in terms of terrestrial radio. But one of the reasons that people have moved – well, there's lots of reasons – to podcasts and blogs is because there are no rules. There are no governing bodies that say what you can and cannot say. Uh, so to be banned for salty language is, uh, uh, well, it tells you that the thought police have gone way too far. Uh, but beyond that, I think the only things that we uh, said, and it was, I'm sure it's my fault, I don't think it's uh, D or Kirk, is that uh, I was questioning people's intelligence for some of the moronic <laughs> positions uh, that they had, uh, had embraced. Uh, you know, for example... Uh, Israel is lighting up again and very disruptive protests. Uh, they, the, the progressives are going into restaurants and harassing uh, diners. Uh, they're, uh, they tried to block entrance into the Knesset uh, so that people couldn't vote. Uh, they are targeting the homes of those politicians that they do not like. All the while, they're screaming that uh, down with dictators and uh, and that, that they are pro democracy, while the elected uh, uh, parliament in uh, in Israel called the Knesset is trying to actually exercise democracy because, well, they uh, they greatly outpolled the uh, the liberals on the last uh, election cycle, and the one thing that the that those who are elected are trying to do is rein in a completely uncontrolled, uh, dictatorship, uh, as it relates to the judiciary, where the judiciary appoints their own. There is no recall, uh, mechanism. Unlike other democracies, if you will, the, uh, it's not elected officials who choose the judges, but other judges who choose the, uh, the judges. And They do not have a Constitution or a Bill of Rights. So unlike the U.S. Supreme Court, they can only rule on the U.S. Constitution and on uh, its Bill of Rights. They have what they call a reasonableness clause where they can strike down any piece of legislation because, in their opinion, it's not reasonable. It's, uh, I I was going to say moronic, but uh, that might be salty language. Why don't we say, it's silly that a group of people would take to the streets and protest against elected officials claiming that they're pro-democracy by supporting an institution that is uh, assaulting the uh, decisions of those who were elected. But nonetheless, that's what we find ourselves in in, uh, in Israel, and it's a very, very sad State of affairs: The country is torn apart at the seams. talked uh, about uh, a couple of weeks ago um, how U.S. Supreme Court justices were not uh, being uh, particularly moral and their uh, use of uh, gratuities and and uh, trips and money-making schemes and the like, and uh, the person who is attacked the most, is the most conservative judge, happens to be a black judge. Uh, and he's Clarence Thomas, and he's the one that's most attacked because he has taken vacations with somebody who he has actually never uh, rendered a, a decision on, so it can't be a bribery. But uh, nonetheless, he's taken vacations, lots of them. Uh, and they uh, don't want to uh, criticize uh, uh, Ginsburg, who actually took more than he did. And this week it uh, was reported that another liberal, uh, Sotomayor's um, staff, uh, has uh, admitted that she has made almost $4 million since she's become a Supreme Court justice peddling her books. Wow. Uh, their books are, are nothing but, uh, but thinly disguised excuses to uh, capitalize on her name recognition. Uh, but because she is liberal, uh, we don't have anybody criticizing uh, her in the in the media. One of the things that uh, delights me, and I, I probably shouldn't. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is uh, I do not uh, care much for conspiracies nor uh, uh, right wing or left wing uh, political uh, wackos. And Mike Lindell. <laughs> Uh, is one of those people that I would list as, as king of the political uh, wackos. And he is the worst kind because he is also a religious wacko. He's always got mm-hmm. crosses on his ne- as a necklace and on his uh, lapel. And I think, if I'm not right, uh, I think he was a, uh, uh, has um, had a tremendous um, drug problem. I think it was even cocaine in the uh, the past so he's got a very immoral past but he created a company called my pillow and he marketed that pillow that company under the uh... uh under the the uh, uh, image of the dead god on a stick the uh... The christian cross and then he got to be really tight with mister um, i'm completely out of my mind donald trump uh, And began to run with all the conspiracy theories on uh, the voting machines and this sort of thing. Uh, Well, he's in the news now because uh, my pillow is falling apart. Uh, It's lost its stuffing. Um, Walmart dropped them. uh, And because he has so much negative publicity from his own tripping on his tongue, uh, he can't give pillows away. So he's doing a, hey, uh, a barn sale uh, on on all of his equipment. And of course, he's uh, complaining they did cancel culture on us. (laughs) (laughs) So a guy that makes pillows (laughs) is claiming that he's being put out of business because of cancel culture. I guess if there's a guy that's going to go out of business, he'd be uh, high on my list. Maybe the guy from. Hobby Lobby can join him, and then maybe um, <laughs> uh, was it was the uh, the, the chicken place uh, not raising cane, but um, uh, Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A. Yeah, that's another one that the guy uh, uh, runs his mm-hmm. company with his religion on his sleeve. The uh, <laughs> recently, we've seen a a, a very odd uh, sets of behavior from Turkey. Turkey had promised that they mm-hmm. would. Uh, Keep the uh, Ukrainian uh, uh, military leaders that had been captured by Russia uh, uh, in prison until the the war was over, and uh, yet they uh, um, released them uh, to the Ukraine uh, and direct uh, conflict with what they had promised Russia. They had been uh, opposed to Sweden's uh, admission into NATO and then all of a sudden did an about-face. When you see this kind of thing from a, a, a guy that is as duplicitous as is the Erdogan in Turkey, you always say, okay, there was a, a, uh, a, a bribe here someplace. And, of course, what he wants <laughs> is admission into the EU, and the EU doesn't want any part of him because, well, the economy is a shambles, uh, and it would uh, tear down the value of uh, the euro. Uh, But, uh, uh, so I said, all right, since uh, he's not getting his EU membership, which is what he asked for in return for supporting Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the additional NATO membership, uh, then it's the United States has agreed to give him lots of weapons. And lo and behold, Mm -hmm. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin discussed the increased supports for Turkey's military modernization during his... uh, call with turkey's counterpart uh in direct relation to allowing sweden's nato approval nothing uh, says peace like giving a uh, a muslim country lots of new weapons for them to approve uh, nato membership uh, leah showed me a video uh earlier today and it was uh of a a discussion with a group of of historians and um, uh, economic advisors for world leaders. And they were talking about the Ukraine. And what they were saying was that this idea that uh, Putin is the aggressor, which is accepted by uh, 99.99% of Westerners in Europe and in the Americas, uh, people who are just easily misled, He says this is ultimately utter nonsense. The decision to uh, arm Ukraine and make them part of NATO, along with uh, Georgia and all of the nations on Russia's border, so that Russia would be blocked from the Black Sea uh, and Russia would be bordered by nations uh, armed with NATO weapons. Uh, surrounding it was not made in 2006, which is what I have uh, spoken of on this show when it was announced by George W. Bush that his intent and America's intent was to uh, uh, make NATO part of, uh, uh, make Ukraine part of NATO. But it became central mm-hmm. to America's foreign policy uh, back in 2002. And that there are numerous published papers uh, by insiders of, uh, and political and international advisors uh, to the most elite of our politicians. Going all the way back to 2002 on, uh, on NATO's inclusion into, and not only NATO, but every other country surrounding Russia, uh, cutting Russia off and ultimately being able to defeat Russia uh, through this strangulation um, and uh, surrounding her so that she would have to engage in war and having Europe and the United States defeat her that way. So the United States plotted this war in Ukraine all the way back to uh, 2002. Uh, At the time, Putin wasn't in power. At the time it was Gorbachev who was in power and the United States made solemn promises to Gorbachev uh, at the time that the Soviet Union was breaking up that it would never under any circumstances include those nations that wanted independence from the old USSR into NATO. And all the while we're having those discussions We're publishing internal papers saying that our intent was to do just the opposite. So let me tell you, the war in Ukraine was planned by the United States 20 years before it occurred. The United States is the belligerent. We caused it knowingly and purposefully. And there are admissions all the way through from 2002 to 2006 to throughout the administrations and throughout senatorial leaders and the U.S. military, affirming that this is the war we wanted. And this week, uh, Biden, uh, when he woke up from his nap at uh, one of the summits, said that Russia can't continue to fight in the Ukraine forever, as if America wants a forever war. It is um, indeed disgusting. And the strategy for the United States was that this country that represents 4% of the world's population wants to be the unchallenged superpower uh, across the globe, with uh, no exceptions. And so destroying Russia and uh, weakening China was our strategy so that the United States was an uncontested, Superpower. Uh, there was a uh, a number of uh, Islamic nations that had tizzy fits uh, over the burning of the Quran in Sweden, uh, and they uh, said, you know, we're we're just not going to uh, we're going to go and attack the Swedish embassy, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, do you think it was a a uh, a natural born Swede that burned the Quran? Probably not. Nope, he was an hmm. Iraqi. He was an Iraqi who uh, claimed uh, that uh, he needed refugee status. Uh, Sweden was stupid enough to give it to him. He was an Iraqi that uh, served. He's got pictures of him and a number of Iraqi armed militias. Uh, He is not a Swede. Does not represent them. And... My view is that to be provocative in this way, to stand out in front of a mosque and to burn a, uh, a book like a Koran, is utterly stupid. Now, I'm going to tell you that the Quran is the dumbest book ever written. Hopefully that's not too <laughs> salty as language, but I have proof. Um, you know, I'm, that's not my opinion. It is a considered conclusion. In fact, it would be impossible to uh, argue against that conclusion. If you uh, uh, were aware of the information contained in Prophet of Doom, which is a thousand-page analysis of the Quran put Mm -hmm. into chronological order, into the context of Muhammad's life, using the oldest uh, hadith. Uh, And so what I've encouraged people to do is to capitalize on what I have done. Read the Quran in chronological order, in the context of Muhammad's life, so that it can be very easily understood, and you will come to the same conclusion. Uh, Muhammad was amongst the worst pe- pers- people who ever lived. He was a misogynist. He was a rapist. He was a pedophile. He was a mass murderer. He was a thief. He was an avowed liar. He claimed to be uh, and was demon possessed. He was a ruthless terrorist. Uh, and the uh, the Quran is a the best the Quran has to offer is um, is incredibly inconsistent and unintelligent plagiarism. And at its worst, it is a terrorist manifesto. Uh, Books like that ought to be understood, because if you understand the Quran, you understand why some 99% of the world's most ruthless terrorist acts are perpetrated by fundamentalist Muslims. As we continue to... uh, try to isolate uh, Russia through uh, our proxy war via uh, Ukraine. And of course, the most recent advent in that war is the United States supplying Ukraine with uh, cluster bombs, which is uh, savagely inhuman. Uh, The Ukraine pledged they wouldn't use them in Russia. Great. They're going to use them on Ukrainians. Uh, Isn't that swell? Uh, What it has done, uh, along with our belligerence towards China, is uh, pushed China and Russia together and this week China Z pledged to work with Russia to develop a variety of strategic partnerships. Uh, you know, you really have to be careful when you're uh, uh, trying to demonize people. We talked uh, last week about demonizing the Saudi Arabian government over Khashoggi's death. And it is the perfect example of people taking things out of context and deciding that uh, It is appropriate to stand on our high horse and say, well, we're not going to be involved in anything dealing with Saudi Arabia because they killed Khashoggi. And yet you will uh, fly the flag and celebrate the 4th of July and and, uh, speak of of America as as if we're peaceful and altruistic when there are tens of thousands of civilians that uh, America Mm -hmm. has murdered without due process raining fire from yes. the skies with our drones. And so it is incredibly hypocritical for us to uh, condemn a nation for killing one person when we've killed tens of thousands without due process. Not a single one of those that we've killed is guilty of killing an American. Not a single one of them was guilty of our uh, 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 processed in a trial, had a tribunal, had any opportunity uh, for justice. Uh, President of the United States says, yeah, kill them, and we send drones to surgically kill them and anybody around them. We spoke uh, at length about the uh, march on Moscow, which the media wants to portray as uh, an attempted mutiny uh, by uh, uh, what they say is mercenary chief Prigoshkin. And everything the United States media has reported turned out to be wrong. As a matter of fact, uh, Przyjowski's whereabouts aren't unknown. Uh, almost immediately after his trip to Washington or to uh, to Moscow, guess where he ended up? Where in, in Moscow? In Moscow. When everybody oh, really? said, "Oh," he turned around and went back, and he went to Belarus. And they have this agreement, they're not going to prosecute him, and everybody's cool, let bygones be bygones. No, I think it was went 24 hours. He was not only in Moscow, but all of his uh, lead generals were in Moscow. And they spent four hours face-to-face with Putin and Putin's uh, military leaders. Now, do you think anybody in the U.S. intelligence community reported that? Of course, no, report. But that's what they did. They had a uh, a kumbaya little chat there and decided what they were going to do, and everybody parted uh, company. But this idea that uh, that his whereabouts are unknown? No, he was in Moscow. There is a uh, a priest. Uh, you know how every parish in uh, Louisiana is uh, named one way or another or associated with uh, the Roman Catholic Church. That's why they call them parishes. Well, there's a mm-hmm. priest, Catholic priest, of course, in Louisiana. He has been sentenced to 25 years in prison after he felt pled guilty to drugging and molesting 17 men that he uh, met as they were tourists in uh, New Orleans. Uh, he would drug them, and then once he uh, drugged them, he would have uh, sex with them. Um, another shining example of what it means to be a Roman Catholic. One of the things that is, uh, was most amazing last week was uh, the uh, operation the IDF conducted in uh, Genet. And it was interesting for a number of reasons. One is, I listened to the media speak of Jenin being a refugee camp. There's not a tent in the place. It's a full developed city with all concrete and stone buildings and paved streets. There isn't, this is not a refugee camp. It's a city. Second, everybody wanted to say that it was occupied. Well, if it's occupied, why did the IDF have to go in? And why did the the IDF leave and it's still called occupied? If it was occupied, the IDF would be there. But no, the New York Times says, you know, the uh, the major operation where the uh, uh, Israeli military, the IDF, uh, invaded, uh, occupied Janine and then withdrew. Well, if they were through, it's not occupied. If they had to go in on an incursion, it wasn't occupied. <laughs> what in the <laughs> world are you talking about? Can't anybody get anything right? And of course, the UN then chimes in and says it violated international law. So, uh, really, yeah. Uh of course, it was one of, in fact, uh, a number of international uh, generals uh, from various countries around the world called it the the an actual a textbook case as, the, as a perfect uh, military operation in a civilian uh, community because not a single person was injured or killed that wasn't a belligerent uh, holding a gun trying to kill uh, Israelis. The biggest crime is that you know the United States, through Oslo, forced uh, uh, Israel to withdraw from the occupied <laughs> areas, uh, uh, so that the Palestinian Authority could occupy them, and uh, and so back thirty years ago, the uh, uh, Israel withdrew, and the Palestinian Authority uh, hasn't had an election in twenty years. They have no credibility. They're hated. I think it's like eighty percent of of the fake Palestinians despise them, and so uh, Iran has created the uh, uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and now there's also the lion's den, and Hamas has taken a very, very aggressive presence within uh, uh, these areas that the Palestinian Authority has essentially withdrawn from. And so since there is no policing there, there's nothing to confront terrorism, and since the Palestinian Authority has indoctrinated everyone for years, not only to hate Israel, but to realize that fame and fortune and and uh, a badge of honor and uh, monies forever flow for those Palestinian who kill Jews, uh, the Palestinian Authority has uh, has manufactured terrorists, has no influence or control over them, and Iran through Hamas and Islamic uh, Jihad is funding them. And yet, when Israel goes in and tries to thwart uh, the uh, importation and use of weapons, Uh, they're called the bad guys. Violation of international law. The United Nations, what little credibility it may once have had is, uh, is completely gone. So that's the Review of the, uh, of the news, things are getting very dark. They're getting very dark very quickly. And so if mm-hmm. you don't want to be swept up in it, the answer is Yahweh, his Torah, uh, his prophets, and particularly his son, who uh, served mm-hmm. us and his father uh, beyond um, anything that anyone has ever done in human history. Uh, that would be do to David. He is the son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the king of kings. Uh, and he is the Zoroa, which is the sacrificial lamb who fulfilled Passover. So what we're going to do uh, today is, I said at the end of our program last week, that we would begin a, uh, uh, the first summation review of the 89th Mismore. We've, we've uh, made it about a third of the way through the, uh, the Mismore, the psalm. And so we've reached a place of, uh, of review, and we're going to start there, read through this, and uh, add a few comments uh, along the way before we press on. It begins, a poem of insights to contemplate and comprehend by being circumspect and thoughtful, Masquel, through Ethan, whose name means the constant and eternal, productive and established, profuse, And Enduring Ezraki, Beloved, Native-born, Strong-Arm, Who is Cherished. This is the introductions. Ezraki uh, is, uh, um, and this is uh, Ethan uh, Ezraki, is mentioned a couple of times in the Prophets and in the writings. And he was acclaimed to be, the wisest man in, uh, in Solomon's uh, inner circle. And he grew up while Dode was king and then transitioned to his son's uh, court. So he is somebody <laughs> that was considered the wisest man at the time that the wisest man was considered to be Solomon. Uh, and he is somebody who knew Dode exceedingly well and he is now serving as a prophet so one of the things i notice is uh, even as the edit team goes over the uh these books and you know and they uh and i say there's 40 prophets and they say Are you sure there's 40 because you know we've we've taken out uh you know um joe for example was not a prophet we've taken out ezekiel was not a prophet daniel was not a prophet uh and uh, i it, on and on it goes. There are a lot of, of, uh, of uh, false books that were uh, written you know, the Maccabees that they were not prophets. Uh. And so, and still, how could it be 40? So, one of the things that uh, that is often missed is that while Ethan is never called a prophet, this is one of the most remarkable prophetic books ever written. So, he is serving as a prophet of Yahweh. Every test that you would apply to the 89th Mismore affirms that he was a prophet. And there are many, many people throughout the uh, Torah and prophets who Yahweh specifically calls prophets. They just don't have books attributed to them. And when you go through all of them, it's an interesting thing. There happen to be 40 of them. Uh, and uh, it's uh, yeah it's forty even after you weed out the people who are not prophets, so this is a remarkable man that's who' we're, who is the uh, uh the scribe of this, but for most of this, it is Yahweh speaking in first person, but yahweh is uh, is not dictatorial right. uh, Yahweh's approach to the people he speaks through is that while he the majority of the message comes directly from him. He encourages and includes the insights, response, attitude, uh, conclusions of those with whom he is communicating. And that is true here. So there are statements where uh, Ethan is saying, I want you to know this. This guy was flat out amazing. And Yahweh's relationship with him was amazing. And I love this guy and I love Yahweh. There are exclamations from him, just as, you know, the entirety of Dabarim in the Torah are speeches made by Moshe, but they're speeches made by Moshe on the subjects that Yahweh communicated to him. So that is a significant part of what we're reading. Mm -hmm. He goes on to say, I want to sing, uh, Ms. Moore, of course, is a song, I want to sing the eternal and everlasting love, the steadfast devotion and the enduring favoritism, the unfailing affection and genuine mercy, kindness and generosity forevermore of Yahweh. On behalf of all generations throughout time, the household, family and home. We don't have enough people singing about Doh. There aren't enough people singing Yahweh's praises either. There aren't even enough people singing about what's important for us to understand about Yahweh's intent with Yisrael. And so God, by this, is encouraging us to sing along. There is no greater Mismore psalm than the 89th. There are very few chapters in any of the prophetic books that could match the 89th in terms of prophetic importance and sheer brilliance. Mm -hmm. And this is the guy that begins by saying, I want to sing. We should all want to sing about this same uh, message. And the first thing he says is, Yahweh is loving. And his love endures forever that he is devoted and steadfast in that devotion that he plays favorites, which is one of the things I love about God. I think anybody that doesn't play favorites, uh, is, uh, is not being honest and really isn't sincere. (laughs) We all have favorites. I mean, we, we choose who we want to uh, spend uh, our time with and whom we don't. We choose who we want to have conversations with, who we want to give things to, uh, who we want to meet. We all play favorites. And playing favorites doesn't make you a racist, doesn't make you a bigot. It makes you informed, moral, um, Conscientious, truthful. We all have our favorites. Right. You know, and, you know, for example, I'm very uncomfortable around Muslims. I'm very uncomfortable about uh, the Herodim, uh overtly religious Jews. I'm very uncomfortable about uh, uh, overtly politicized Christians. Yeah. Um, Roman, you know, Roman Catholics who buy into the myths of that church's inerrancy, give me the creeps. Oh, I don't like to be in the company of progressives because I find them to be thoughtless. So there's lots of things that I think it's important for us to realize that if, if we are genuine, we're going to say, I don't like that versus I like somebody else. Uh, I've all but adopted a young man on this island uh, um, and have poured countless hours and energy into helping him uh, prevail in what I thought was a dirty trick by a, a group of cops and uh, a bad behavior on behalf of a judge. And I figured out uh, how to get him a quality uh, attorney, paid for that, and I uh, um, then came up with a strategy that would uh, offset the, the bias towards the cops uh, and that would eventually put the judge in a position where you have to do the right thing. And then at this now, well, on behalf of this young man, who would have lost 30 years of his life if we did mm-hmm. not prevail, and it was announced yesterday that uh, we won. I mean... Well, completely exonerated and with prejudice, which means you can't even go back to this thing again and complete exoneration. And so I did this because I genuinely care for this young man. And I thought he got a rotten deal. So I played a favorite. I can't rescue everybody. Nor can any of us, unless you're Dode, of course. But (laughs) I could take this young man. And uh, and reach out and help him. Give him a second chance at life. But even in this regard, in terms of playing favorites, this victory isn't the end. It's just the beginning. You know, every day I mentor this young man. Uh, Leigh and I took him to dinner tonight uh, to celebrate what uh, we had achieved together and just to enjoy the relationship. Uh, Yahweh is that way. He finds people he likes. You know, Dote is an acquired taste. I mean, Dote is a, is an amazing character, but not everyone's going to like him. You know, first, right. people that are that courageous, that confident, that bold, uh, that articulate, uh, causes people to be jealous. So there's a lot of people that are going to look at him as, you know, he's conceited or this, that, and the other thing, because they're just going to feel Jealousy around him. Yeah, he loved him. Loved him. And so God plays favorites. This is affirming that he plays favorites, and he should. It's the right thing to do. He does not pretend to love everybody. He chooses who he wishes to love. He has unfailing affection for those who he chooses. To favor, and what that means is that we can look at someone like Abraham, and we can say, you know, God says that uh, He loves this man. And I'm going to tell you, Abraham is just flat out not lovable. I mean, he, the things that he did are disgusting. First, he's he's not very smart, I, and that bothers me. I, I I prefer people that are thoughtful and smart. He's not. Tempt out his wife. Numerous times for, uh, for profit. That really irritates me. Uh, mm-hmm. but he really showed no appreciation for the things that uh, Yahweh did for him. I'm not even sure he had great understanding of them. And so uh, you say, what's lovable about this guy? You look at Jakob's life, and you say, what's lovable about his life? Almost every decision that he made was wrong. And yet there is something in these personalities that God says, I I like them. And part of it is that God is blinded to the things that he's sharing with us uh, that are irritating. Because he envelops these people in his garment of light. So what he sees is perfection. And so everything that they do that is positive in their interactions with him is celebrated. And all the dunderhead things... He completely ignores, but he ignores it in terms of the way that he looks at them, but not the way he presents them to us. And this is one of the most interesting parts of God's story. He presents everybody in his story warts and all, all of uh, Doe's mistakes and judgment, uh, emotional mistakes. He shares with us. When Moshe made a mistake, he shares it with us. Right. And yet, he doesn't see those mistakes in these people. The reason he shares them with us is so that we're not intimidated. Right. Dode would be unbelievably intimidated. He's so bright. He's so courageous, so passionate. He, his body of work on behalf of Yahweh is so immense. And then the guy says, I'm going to serve as the Passover lamb, and I know what that means. That means the most ruthless empire in the history of humanity is going to crucify me, and that's only after they whip me to the point that I'm almost dead. And that's the easy part, because the next day I'm going to go into hell, and I'm going to carry the guilt of every covenant member with me. Now, when it comes to that level of commitment, I, uh, you know, uh-huh. I'm just not there. Yeah, I'm just going to say I'm awestruck, but you know, pretty darn amazing. And so when you you realize that this is our brother, and this is the guy that God loved, if it weren't for the warts, it would be, you just up, throw up your hands and say, I can't measure up to that. What am I going to do that could have any value to God compared to this guy? Yeah. Right. So what does he show, uh, Moshe, you know, uh, being attacked for being a good guy? Keeping it real. So we're not intimidated. So we can read the story of Abraham and say, that dude passed the test to be part of the covenant. I'll guarantee you, so can I. Right. Why it's mm-hmm. that way, all the way through. And so, not only does God place his favorites, His uh, affection for those that He loves is unfailing. It's genuine mercy, kindness, generosity, forevermore. God. Is, uh, is interesting in that he chooses to do everything through people, and not a single one of his jobs is paid. Uh, and yet, you're enriched more by working for Yahweh than the wealthiest people on the planet. I wouldn't trade what I have been given doing this job for free with the wealth of the ten richest men combined. If you were to say, would you prefer to have the enlightenment, the emancipation, the empowerment, uh, the insights, and just the genuine love and support of Yahweh, which we have to a large degree earned over these last 22 years and received, or the wealth of Of Elon Musk. And I'm going to tell you, my life is much more fulfilling, much more rewarding than is his. So Yahweh is exceedingly generous. And I think that everyone who has been part of this mission to inform his people prior to his return would say the same thing that we're we are enriched uh leah was talking to a uh a man um down in australia um i think it was today might have been yesterday and he has been doing uh recorded uh readings of the the books we have written and leah uh found out listened to it he just has a uh, he has the perfect voice for uh for doing audiobooks and she uh I spoke to him. I don't know if it was on a phone call or they were communicating uh, in some other way, but she says, you know, it was almost a tearful response. With the person says, you know, i was kind of down here by my by myself doing doing this, and I I love doing it, but to say you really want me to to do this as a project, so that all those people who would prefer to listen to these books than to read them and you want me to do this, and you're going to post what I'm doing on the site, we're thrilled. Why? Mm -hmm. Because we have the most generous father in the world, and Yahweh being the father of the covenant, and the most wonderful family in the world, and to be part of it and making a contribution to it is the most enriching thing a person can do. It's true. So... There's a lot that uh, Ethian is saying here just at the beginning. Of course, he says that name that uh, you never read uh, from a Jew. You know, I, uh, every uh, night and every morning I, uh, I read virtually every article on the Jerusalem Post and I read through the comments. And every time you read a comment, it's always HaShem this, HaShem that. You know, you notice here that um, in an inspired work, that it doesn't say Hashem. It says Yahweh. Yahweh. And uh, Yahweh's name here is used on behalf of all generations throughout time. For the entire household and family. With my mouth, he says, I will make known. I'm not going to express my faith. I have not. I will make known. Revealing that I am familiar with and I understand, I acknowledge, and I have embraced. No, not faith, not belief. I know that you are trustworthy and dependable, that you are honest and reliable, that you have a steadfast commitment to the truth. Pretty uh pretty astute if you're going to say, Okay, what distinguishes Yahweh from all others? Enduring love, steadfast devotion, mm-hmm. favoritism all of the above. unfailing affection, genuine mercy, kindness, oh enormous, unparalleled yeah. generosity. Indeed. That his name is cool. Yahweh and that All of this is forever, unchanging, for the household and family of God. And so with my mouth, I will make known, yada, revealing that I am familiar with and understand, that I am acknowledging that I have embraced the fact that Yahweh, you are trustworthy, you're dependable, you're honest, you're reliable and you have a steadfast commitment to the truth. Man's only one statement into his song. Hasn't even mentioned Doge yet, but he realizes something that is exceedingly important. As I go through, and you know, we're more than a, uh, a third of the way through now, this uh, edit pass to properly recognize mm-hmm. Doge's full contribution, and all the way through, you're constantly reminded that it's father and son. Without Yahweh, Dode is nothing. With Doad, Yahweh is extraordinary. God mm. shines when he has the opportunity to work with someone as exceptional as Dote. So here, the prophet is setting up the realization that while well, we're going to speak about how exceptional, how important Dote is. He's important because of these attributes of Yahweh. And so now it's time for Yahweh to speak. He has been introduced. And that's I think a pretty fair introduction. I think Yahweh would say yeah. I th- I think I think you yeah, I think you got okay. it. I, yeah, Yeah, <laughs> a, a, a good explanation. whole story. Yahweh now speaks through him. I have established, by the way, if you want God to speak through you, probably a pretty good idea to view God uh, the same way that uh, Ethan just did. Mm-hmm. I have established cutting through separation. The Barith Covenant for the family and home. Through Ani Bakar, my chosen one, the person I prefer and have decided upon. So after that introduction, this is God's first statement. About playing favorites, about being generous, about enduring mercy, about uh, eternal love, about doing all of this for the household and Home and that he is always reliable, trustworthy, and dependable. The first words that God says is, I have established the most important thing in the world to me, the most important thing in the universe to me. In fact, the universe only exists because of the importance of the bereft, the covenant for the family and home. I have established cutting through separation." the bereth covenant for the family and home, through Ani Bakar, my chosen one, the person I prefer and have decided upon. There is only one person that Yahweh has declared, I chose him. And then after God says, I chose him, he explains that the way that he makes decisions about who he wants to engage with is completely unlike the way that the most notorious people make decisions, that countries make decisions, or how people vote, or what people choose to believe in. God says, my criterion is completely different than yours. And He says, this is the guy that I chose. You chose Shaul. I chose Mm -hmm. those. Compare them and you will understand what I'm looking for. So who are you trying to impress, men or God? I have sworn an oath, and I will affirm this promise seven times over. Shabbat, to Dod, the beloved. Eben, Ebed Ani my authorized agent and co-worker who serves on my behalf. Yikes. Can you imagine God saying, I swore an oath? He's God. No, he's God. I swore an oath to this guy. I chose this guy to be the embodiment of my covenant family to be the exemplar of my covenant family. In fact, more than that, because all five of the benefits of the covenant are provided through the first four Moed Mikre, all of which Dod fulfilled in year 4,000 Yah, God can literally say, I established the covenant through Dod, because it is Dod. God's chosen his beloved son that fulfilled Pesach, Matzah, Bokodim, and Shabuah. And it is through those four Moed Mikre that we become immortal, we become perfected, we're adopted into the covenant family, we are enriched, and we are empowered. Pretty strong statement. And so God says... Not only did I choose him and decide upon him for the purpose of building and establishing my covenant family, but I swore an oath to him that I will affirm the promise seven times over. Shabbat, how many Moed Mikre are there? Seven. Of how many? How many has and will do fulfill? Seven. Participating No. Anyway. Yeah. And so in fulfilling them, Dod is Yahweh's authorized agent. Forevermore, as an ad-olam, eternal and restoring witness, I will prepare and establish your offspring and that which you sow. Zerah. In addition, I will constitute a home for your throne and seat of honor on behalf of all generations throughout time. Pause now and contemplate the implications. One of the most difficult things that the religious have when they're trying to make sense of Yahweh's prophetic testimony is when Yahweh uh, changes person. And what I mean by that is grammatically. God is speaking here in first person. He spoke of Dode in third person. When he speaks of Dode by name, when he speaks of Dode being his chosen one, um, when he talks about Dode being his authorized agent, he's speaking of Dode in third person. Now, he's talking about Dode doing a lot of things, going forward, because Dode wouldn't even begin to fulfill these things for a thousand years after this uh, was recorded. And some would be uh, 3,000 years upon his return. But then Yahweh does something, and this is something that opened up our understanding of the most important prophecy, I think, in the entirety of the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms, which is Second Samuel 7. And there, Yahweh opens by speaking uh, through Nathan about Dode. Then he speaks directly to Dode, and then he speaks to us about Dode. So he's speaking to Dode in first person, second person, and third person, going through the the, uh, uh, the prophetic review. Here, Yahweh introduced Dod speaking of him, and then he continues speaking to him. Dod's life had ended four years before this was written. How can Yahweh speak to him unless he was there? That's right. I have sworn an oath, and I will affirm this promise seven times over to Dove, to the beloved, my authorized agent, my co-worker, who serves on my behalf forevermore. As an eternal witness to the restoring testimony, I will prepare and establish your offspring and that which you sow. In addition, I will construct a home for your throne and seat of honor on behalf of all generations throughout time. Pause now and contemplate the implications isn't just thrown out there as uh, food for thought. Zero means to sow. Plant seeds, expecting new life, expecting them to be productive. If those seeds are properly planted, if those seeds are viable, if they are watered and nurtured, they will grow. They will produce so much more than you would think that that potential little Seed could possibly produce, and Zera happens to be the root of Zerua. Those most important title, overwhelmingly, those most important title means productive ram and sacrificial lamb. Zera indeed. In addition, Yahweh is building a home. Doge throne. So when we see the new house of Yahweh what the world will call for a brief moment a third temple but none of us will who are part of his family we're going to call it home. When Dode and Yahweh build this magnificent new home which will likely be comprised of light at the center of that home there will be a throne room and the throne has a name on it. Dode. God, who's the creator of the universe, isn't like the gods that man has made where those gods sit on thrones. This is a God that says to the man he created and loved and cherished and worked with, I am creating a home for your throne. He didn't say, we're going to create two homes, one for your throne and one for mine. No, I'm creating a home for your throne. He didn't say, I want you to build me a a fancy home. No, I'm building it for you. The way it should be. The way it is. And so if Yahweh says, I chose him, I established my covenant through him, I worked with him, I made a promise to him, and I am establishing a home for his throne. Don't you think we ought to figure out why Yahweh is so enthralled, why he is so enthusiastic, why he is so committed to this man? I mean, it sure as heck isn't because he was a really uh, nice shepherd at uh, eight years old there in Bethlehem. It's not because he took down a giant. It's not because he fell in love with um, really a charming man of great character. It's not that he was a, uh, a great songwriter. It's not that he was a fabulous prophet. It's not that he was a heroic defender of his people, never having lost a battle. No, I think that the thing that changed Yahweh from saying he is my son, he is the Messiah, he is my chosen one to this level of praise. I'm building a throne for him forevermore. He is always going to be the leader of my people is when Dode volunteered to serve as the Passover lamb. And that's why Zerah has been introduced here because that is what sowed, scattered as seeds, which can take root and grow, and become productive children in the household of God. That's why he wants us to pause and consider the implications. The spiritual realm of the heavens knows and appreciates your wonderful accomplishments and marvelous contributions. Yahweh, and also your trustworthiness in the community of the set-apart. So now this is the prophet recognizing that what Yahweh has just said is amazingly profound. And he is now telling us that we should yada, know and appreciate what Yahweh has accomplished through doubt. By contrast, who in the skies of the material realm can be equated or compared to Yahweh? Who is similar to, or thinks like Yahweh, among the gods? The answer is, of course, that the religious gods are all a bit characteristic. They're frightening. They're capricious. They're unreliable they uh they were created in man's image they um uh, they act a lot like men and women the women the goddesses are are like um the worst of women and the gods are the worst of men they're um constantly maneuvering for power and for sex and for mischief um they're horrible yep. and even the more modern versions, well, Allah was a terrorist by his own admission. Allah spends all of his time in hell, according to the Quran, tormenting those who don't capitulate. And the myth of Jesus Christ is nothing but plagiarism, taking everything that was said of Dode and applying it to this myth who turns out to be anti-Semitic. Oh, they Gods of man are reprehensible, and Yahweh is so unique. I mean, yes. he's unique in the sense that he happens to be the only actual God, is uh, the creator of the universe, <laughs> the author of life, and you know that—that that certainly yeah—that that <laughs> makes you distinct, and uh, we qualify as unique. Uh, but his whole but he is persona so is so different. He—he he never brags is not arrogant. He doesn't want to be worshipped. What a difference. He doesn't want to be worshipped. Never asks you to bow down to him. Doesn't ask you to pray to him. Doesn't even ask you to believe him. is uh, not asking us to build houses for him. He wants to build houses for us. He doesn't want us to try to lift him up. He wants to lift us up. I mean, it's amazing. He is the opposite of the gods that man have created. And why is it we don't cherish that? Why is it we don't sing to that realization? People are the not told this. Yeah. The prophet then says something that, um, I, uh, I sense every day. God is inspiring and awesome. Mm-hmm. Inspiring. Um, I were to isolate the thing that is most unique about the last 22 years is the inspired insights that we have derived from the Word of God. I think it would be safe to say that there are a thousand insights, maybe a hundred or two hundred or more, um, very, very important, that are first disclosed as part of these books that were completely unheralded for thousands of years. The single most exciting thing about focusing on who Yahweh is and what he had to say and how he interacts with people is insights. And these insights are so profound, so life-altering, so liberating, so enlightening, that it is the greatest joy of of being involved in this way. It is something that Ethian is declaring. God is inspiring. He's awesome. Especially in the counsel and fellowship of the set-apart ones. That would be those who have chosen to be part of his covenant family. Tremendously great, while inspiring reverence and respect beyond all those around him. Yahweh, who just happens to be God, of the vast array of spiritual implements, who and what is comparable to your awesome power and extraordinary gifts, which are all around you, Yahweh, including your unwavering commitment to the truth. One of the greatest joys of of the past 22 years is knowing that I don't have to run from anything, that no matter how challenging a statement appears to be, that if you just go in and you go head first into it, you look at each word, you set the meaning of that word face up on the table, you go word for word, And you analyze it in context, even the things you're going to say, oh, my goodness, this is something we probably ought to pass and uh, talk about something else. No, all of it is uplifting and inspiring and educational. You can be extremely confident because everything God has to say resonates is true. It's profoundly important. It's consistent. It gives a real sense of peace. Uh, that uh, it is like this. You have conveyed Mashal, vivid parables establishing an articulate leader over the raging devastation and presumptive arrogance of the sea. When its turbulent and surging waves rise up in deceit to craft delusions, you expose and stop them. Well, this is speaking of Yahweh. He's also speaking of Dode. Dode is the author of the Mashal, the Proverbs. He was better at conveying vivid parables and word pictures and more effective as a leader than anyone the planet has ever known. And he is the one who is returning on Yom Kippuram to wring devastation upon the presumptive arrogance of the Gentile nations represented by the sea. When they are at their most turbulent, and their deceit is the most pervasive, Yahweh is returning with dode, to expose and stop them. And even then, Yahweh will work through dode as opposed to alone. You humbled and crushed, rejecting and defeating that which is comparable to the reprehensible and deadly nature of the pretentious pride and stormy arrogance of the boisterous afflictor and his false god, you empowered and fortified Zoroa, protective shepherd and sacrificial lamb. It is um, noteworthy to appreciate that this boisterous afflictor with pretentious pride and stormy arrogance is singular. There are three candidates because when God speaks of such individuals he speaks of individuals who are harmful against his people Israel and so he's speaking of somebody who has had vast influence over a prolonged period of time harming Israel and his people whom Dode, as the sacrificial lamb and protective sh- shepherd, is going to overcome. So your candidates are Muhammad, yep. who is the last of them, who created uh, Islam based upon a hatred of Jews. And he will ultimately marshal, through his satanic religion, uh-oh, hope that's not salty language. Um, a flood of <laughs> jihadists who were coming to Israel. But they're going to be stopped before Dode returns. So, can't be Muhammad. Next on the list, you uh, going back uh, in time, would be Rabbi Akira. Rabbi Akiba created rabbinic Judaism to maintain control of Jews during the period that another Jew, Paul, was uh, was luring them away through this new Christian religion. And so to counter the false Messiah of, uh, of Pauline Christianity, Rabbi Akiba created the false Messiah from which Israel gets its six-starred flag and its national identity, Bar Kokhba, son of a star. By creating Judaism, he has caused more harm for Jews than anyone else, probably in the history of the world. And because of his false Messiah and his uprising against Rome, he caused the diaspora, which resulted in the Holocaust. So he's a prime candidate, and uh, it's clear that Dode will eliminate uh, rabbinic Judaism upon his return. But um, that can't be this culprit. Why can't it be this culprit? Do you guys know? What's the context? The eroding and harmful nature of the sea. The, uh, the remnant, the remnants of, the of, uh, of those who are affected by um, Rabbi Akiba, who are harming Jews, are Jews. to mm-hmm. so the goy. So that leaves us with a, uh, a single candidate, Paul. Well, Paul was a Jew. But uh, his influence is not among Jews. He's perpetrated grave harm against Jews. There's no religion that has harmed and afflicted, demonized, and uh, dehumanized Jews, subjugated them longer or more egregiously than Christianity. It is the religion that God hates the most. It's why Yahweh calls Paul the plague of death, the uh, uh, father of oh. lies son of mm-hmm. evil. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no one in human history that God hates more than the author of the Christian New Testament, Paul. Right. Uh, he has an entire prophet who is only a prophet to condemn Paul. <laughs> and yeah. out the mizmor that, Dode, uh, that uh, Dode has inspired, he calls out Shaul by name. To condemn him, that was Paul's given name. And so this is a goyim, therefore uprising of the sea, religion that has traumatized his people. And so and he was more pretentious than anyone. He had this stormy arrogance. He was a boisterous afflictor. And boy, did he have a false god. And it's really interesting <laughs> yeah. that the Iusu Christu, false god of Paul, was modeled mm-hmm. after Paul. It's true. Just like Allah is the alter ego of Muhammad. That is who the Zoroa will take out. And it's really interesting because the only reason that Christianity exists is that they stole everything that was an accolade or achievement of Dode, who is the son of God, who is the Messiah, who is the Savior as the Zoroa sacrificial lamb. They stole it all from Dode, who was the person that actually fulfilled Passover as the Passover lamb and was crucified by the Romans. The very celebration of Bokotim, they attribute Christians robbed from Dode in a tribute to their mythical misnomer, who is nothing more than a plagiarized robbery of Dode. And so the real article, the actual Messiah, the actual Passover lamb, the actual Son of God, is going to destroy the fake. That's what this says, and it'll be the great achievement. And it's why Dode is introduced here as the Zoroa. The shepherd is going to come to protect his people from that raging sea of Christianity. And as the actual Passover lamb, he's going to provide salvation for his people by ridding the world of the potentious pride and stormy arrogance the deadly nature of the Christian faith. We're at 89.10. It says it ends by saying you isolate and separate your adversaries. The spiritual realm of the heavens is yours, the material realm of the world, and that which is in it, is also yours. You laid the foundation for them, you created them. Now this is important because Yahweh is in a different position than well it pretty sounds pretty stupid, but okay he's in a different position than, than you or I. And so sure. if Yahweh once doed upon his return to eliminate All religion and its hosts, all politics and its hosts, all conspiracy and the uh, hosts of conspiracy, those who promote it. Mm -hmm. If we did that, we would be murderous. We have no right to do it because we did not create those lives. Therefore, we have no right to shortchange them. All we can do is expose them and condemn them with our words. Yeah, I was in a different position. He gave them life, and so... He can end it and still be fair. Right. And he's going to. And that's what this says. It's your world. And heaven is your home. You can have in heaven whoever you want and exclude whoever you want. And when you return, you can support Dode and eliminating all of those people who were in religious institutions and political institutions that were hostile to your people. making it clear that death, this is what's going to happen, but that we should not take this upon ourselves. We can do what Etienne did, which is to use our words. It's God who will empower Dode with this result, and he will be ultimately fair, giving everyone what they deserve, and even those lives that he ends at that moment, the lives that they had up to that moment was a gift. They would not have had them. We're not free. He's not taking anything from them. He gave them an opportunity and they bungled it. The spiritual realm of the heavens is yours, the material realm of the world, and all that is in it is yours. You laid the foundations for them. You created them. The north, the place where treasure is taken and hidden and the south, the right side, you have created them. Tabor, the broken and shattered, and Shimon, the banned and exterminated, shout for joy in your name. Boy, Israel! By the time that Yah returns, will be battered. God's uh, people, yeah, look at the United Nations and how they're trying to ban them. Look how Muslims are trying to exterminate them. And yet, recognizing that Jahwe is coming back to protect his people, to liberate his people, to reconcile his relationship with his family, those who have been battered and bruised are going to shout for joy. Beside you and on your behalf, the Zoroa, the protective shepherd and sacrificial lamb with tremendous power and courage, character and awesome ability. Yabura, will be your strong hand, raised up high at your right side. Who has he been talking about? Only one name has been mentioned. Stoed. Mm-hmm. Dode is the protective shepherd. He is the sacrificial lamb. And with tremendous empower, uh, power, courage, character, awesome ability, Gaborah. Gabora is the feminine of Gabor. Dode is the That's poster right. child for Gabor. Um, courageous, capable, competent, confident. Man who is not afraid to fight for what's right. And what Gaborah means is that he's able to do this because of the nature of his soul, which is feminine in Hebrew, and the empowerment that the Ruach Kodesh set apart spirit, which is also feminine in Hebrew, provides. Mm -hmm. And so we're being told that the Zoroa is powerful and has awesome ability because the Zoroa is really Doed's soul. Nefesh, feminine. And it's Doed's soul that is returning to fulfill the first four mickre beginning with Passover. Being correct and vindicating regarding executing good judgment and justly resolving disputes serve as the foundation of your throne. God is speaking of the one person that he built a throne for. Or actually, it's the prophet speaking of Yahweh, but no, clearly yeah. regarding Doad. Right. And mm-hmm. when we talk about the, the work of the Zoroa, which is, and, and it's feminization, which means we're, we're dealing with Doad's soul. Nefesh, feminine in Hebrew, uh, and, and and enabled through the Ruach Kodesh, set apart spirit, again feminine in Hebrew. Uh, when we when God speaks of that, and then says that it's all in conjunction with Sadak Misfat He says He's telling us that vindication, acquittal, salvation comes by us making a proper decision, an informed and rational conclusion, exercising good judgment about these very means to resolve disputes which are achieved through the fulfillment of the Moed Micra. A loving relationship and genuine mercy along with steadfast commitment to the truth encounter those who enter your presence. And in this case, as in so many others, you can capitalize the U and say you're speaking of Yahweh. You can lowercase the U and recognize you're speaking of the Zoroa. No. And in actuality, it doesn't make any difference. You know why? She's so like God. They're father and son. Same place. Yeah. Achieving the same thing. That house isn't going to be for one soul. Yahweh's going to live there with his son. And so are we. Delighted to show the way because blessed. Ashery. Ashery is actually the first word that Dode would write as a prophet. It's the first word that I translated uh, when I became interested in what the prophets had to say. Uh, it uh, It speaks of forming a, uh, a relationship, showing the benefits of that relationship, being blessed by the relationship, getting the most out of life along the proper path. Delighted to show the way because blessed, Ashri are the people who are aware of and acknowledge Teruah, who walk with the light of your presence, yeah. well, 915. I think we spent an entire program on on 8915. <laughs> we did. Uh, and we did. Uh, and some might say what well, was selfish because well I'm telling you folks, we are the living Im- embodiment we, of we, Yeah, We are the prophetic fulfillment of uh, of this prophecy and to bring it to your attention it deserved a show. Uh yeah. but the very fact is, it's not self-indulgent. Yahweh would not have spoken about the role that those who are the living embodiment of Teruah, uh, Dode's heralds, would play in communicating this particular message to God's people before they return on Yom Kippuram to restore the relationship unless he wanted to for his people to know that he had predicted this 3,000 years ago and that he made this commitment 3,000 years ago because he wanted his people to listen. So that is why he's saying that the very first word that we translated 22 years ago, Asher, to show the way, are the people who were aware of and acknowledged Tarua? 22 years ago, this mission began on a Teruah when Yahweh first reached out and said, I want you to do this. And for 22 years, we have done. We walk with the light that Yahweh has provided through his prophets, through his Torah, into the very presence of our God. Uh, it's... Um, exciting, the most humbling, the most uh, energizing, and the most debilitating statements you could possibly have. All of those things together, and inspiring and uplifting, because God chose to do this through us for the benefit of his people. By doing it, we're not only fulfilling a prophecy, we're making our Father proud, pleased, but also, it's, uh, it's hard to um, measure up. You know, you, you, there's it, it, no matter of, of devotion that um, measures up to the awesome responsibility of, uh, of this. So and true. So it's, it's one of the things you say, um, yeah, well, I really wish you hadn't said it. Because then anything we do is uh, is beneficial, and whatever we fail to do is uh, is immaterial. You can just look at at uh, the family's contribution uh, to the message of yada yada, and everything is is favorable. And anything we accomplish is is good because we're not responsible in this major way. But mm-hmm. when you're given this degree of responsibility, um, than a lot is expected. And so it is, uh, it is frightening. Uh, frightening is not the right term, but it is um, humbling. Intimidating. Uh, intimidating, <laughs> yes, all those things uh, in, in that regard. But we have to recognize that Yahweh didn't say this for us. Right. He said it for you, all of you out there who are listening. Because he wants you to listen. Because he wants you to learn. Because he wants you to approach him. He wants you to know his name, to love his name, to recognize that he is loving and merciful and caring, steadfast and reliable, and that he chose to work through Dode in all of these remarkable ways. And he wants a herald in the last days, to broadcast this message, based upon the purpose of Teruah, walking in the light of his words, to the very presence of God. In your name they rejoice every day, and I'm delighted that it's plural, because it is a family, Uh, we do work together, uh, and this would be impossible without many of us working together to serve Yahweh's people. In your name, they rejoice every day. And in your justice and vindication, by being right, they are lifted on high. Mentioned that that, uh, we're going through the 30 books of uh, of Yadaya, and they're all available, yadaya.com. Um, every book you can read the entirety free. It's a marvelous bookshelf as you uh, open yadaya.com. Uh, every book there, as I say, is, is uh, in its entirety free. You can also buy every book in paperback uh, and hardback without royalty uh, from uh, Amazon. And for pennies, uh, buy the Kindle versions of these uh, books as, uh, as well. Or you can listen to these programs as they're posted uh, throughout the uh, the Internet, and our uh, community is presented also on on the uh, the site. And we do, in fact, lift up Yahweh's name every day. Uh, and we do strive to be right. The very fact that we're rewriting these books is we learned more about Dode than we knew previously. And so we needed to go back and make certain that that was conveyed right from the beginning. Being right matters. Yes. And it is important to Yahweh, and it's therefore important to us. Indeed, the adornment and the appearance of their empowerment and fortification is yours. Yeah, we. Yahweh's really clear on uh, Yahshua 11. Uh, he's got seven spirits making the, uh, the choder work, creating this Nesh sign. <laughs> Uh, you know, he talked about the set-apart spirit came upon Dode the, the moment that he was anointed. Well, doad obviously was more capable than I must be because, uh, well, <laughs> seven. he That's threw fine. the whole McGillicuddy at, uh, at, uh, at me. So, <laughs> no, chance, uh, no chance you can fail. Yeah, I don't have much to work with here. We don't have much time. <laughs> so Here we go. Booster shots. Yeah, booster shots. Seven seven spirits. Um, By your acceptance and approval, our brilliant, illuminating horn is lifted up. The uh, beautiful horn, Koran is the horn that was found in the dress rehearsal of Passover when Abraham and Yishak went there, and it was the Koran that uh, Yahweh used to demonstrate that he would provide the lamb, and he did through his son. And it is the Koran that uh, forms that shofar horn that we blow to herald um, the purpose and meaning, the mission of Teruah. And Koran means to radiate light, which is why God says that we walk with the light into his presence. For our deliverance and protection are from Yahweh. Accordingly, the Kodesh, set apart one of Yisrael, is our king. Isn't this also reassuring? That Mm -hmm. Yahweh is the source of deliverance and protection, Why? Because Yahweh worked through the Kodash, set apart one of Yisrael, who happens to be our king. Who is the eternal king of Yisrael? God's son, the Messiah. Dod. And it is Dod through whom Yahweh provides, again, deliverance and protection. Therefore, in relation to this, logically, you spoke in a revelation to your Bacarim, chosen and tested ones, saying, I have equated and bestowed assistance, supplying what is needed on behalf of the Gabor, the most courageous and capable man. I have raised up and exalted the Bashar chosen one from the people eighty nine nineteen. Mm-hmm. So God's going on saying, I communicated this to you through a prophetic revelation. And that in that revelation I said that there would be those who are chosen and who are tested, who are affirmed, who are validated, who will say that they have equated and bestowed what is needed for you to have an appreciation of the Gabor, the courageous and capable man of God. Dode. And Yahweh is also stating that he provided all of this to Dode, but the fact is, Bokotim, chosen and tested ones, is plural. And Gabor is singular. So this Mm. is God employing a number of people working through them to make this pronouncement on behalf of Dodd as the Gabor. Again, you are listening to the fulfillment of that prophecy. Nowhere else in the world, not for 3,000 years, has anyone shared any of these insights. It has not been said in 3,000 years until now that Dodd is the Messiah, the Dod is the son of God. The Dod is the returning king of kings. The Dod is the chosen one. The Dod is the Seroah, Passover lamb. The Dod is the one through whom Yahweh fulfilled each of the seven Moed Mikre. And that the very purpose of Teruah is to herald his return with his father on the Day of Reconciliations. All of that is stated here and nowhere else. The recognition yes. that Dode is the Gabor, that when Yahweh made that great prophecy through Yahshua and Yahshua 9, Isaiah 9, and spoke of the Gabor and gave Dode's name as the child who was born, the son who was given, would advance the work of Almighty God. He was speaking of Dode. This is the only place that celebrates Dode's most important title, which isn't even Messiah. It isn't even Malachi King. It isn't even Son of God. It isn't even Firstborn. It isn't even the Chosen One. Dode's most important title Zaroah, protective shepherd and sacrificial lamb. I have raised up and exalted the Bashar, chosen one from among the people. I discovered and then made known, encountered and experienced and exposed Dod, my co-worker, out of Shimon Kodesh, my set-apart oil. I have Masiyak. I have anointed him so that to show the way to the benefits of the relationship, Asher, my hand and influence, Yad Ani, will be established in steadfast, authenticated, and unwavering, kun with you. In addition, and beyond this, Ani Zaroa, my protective shepherd, my strong arm, the sacrificial lamb will empower and embolden you, strengthening you, while enabling your growth. Oh, we're just a third of the way through, and yet it's already the most important song ever written. In Dode's song, this beginning of the 89th Mismore, Yahweh has already acknowledged his son as Dod, the Beloved, two times. He has called him the Bashar Ani, my chosen one, two times. He has referred to his son as my co-worker, Ibed Ani, two times. He referred to him as a restoring and eternal witness, Ad Olam, two times. He called him an articulate leader. Mashal, once. He referred to him as his right hand, Yamen, once. Azad Yad, a strong hand, once. Yebura, the soul's feminine manifestation of tremendously empowered, inspired, courageous, with outstanding character and awesome ability. Twice. Kodash, the set apart one of Yisrael. Once. The Gabor, God's most courageous and capable man. Once. Mashak is anointed. Once. Lots of ones, lots of twos, Mm -hmm. there was one four. Zoroa, the protective Mm -hmm. shepherd, and sacrificial lamb. It is the most important of Dode's titles, and it's the one that no one, apart from what we're doing here, acclaims. Therefore, in relation to this, logically, You spoke in a revelation to your Bakurim, chosen and tested ones, saying, I have equated and bestowed assistance, supplying what is needed, on behalf of the Gabor, most courageous and capable man. I have raised up and exalted the Bashar, the chosen one from the people. I discovered and then made known, encountered, experienced, and exposed, Doed my co-worker. And then out of my Shimon Kodesh Ani set apart oil. I have Mashak anointed him so that to show the way to the benefits of the relationship, Asher, my hand and influence, Yad Ani, will be established and steadfast, authenticated, un- unwavering, kun with you. Dode isn't, or Yahweh isn't saying these things to bolster. Dode? Dode already knows exactly what the relationship is with Yahweh. Numero no. The first one. He's saying it for us. Yahweh did all of this stuff through Dode, not for Dode, but for you and me. All of this for you. In addition, this, my protect, chapter, strong arm and sacrificial lamb will empower and embolden you, strengthening you enabling your growth. All is our Savior. It was the Son of God, the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Firstborn, the King of Kings, who came back a second time to fulfill the first four, Mekre, Pesach, Matzah, Pekot, and Abua, in year 4,000, Yah, 33 C, he was the Passover lamb. It was his soul that was burdened with our guilt that he took with him into Sheol, hell, and deposited it there, never to be seen again. Making us appear perfect in God's eyes, after opening Passovers to God's home, and life eternal. and then it was dubbed as Yahweh's firstborn, celebrated Bikkurim for children, showing us the way home, proving what He had achieved, inviting us to follow Him, empowering and emboldening us. With the fulfillment of Shabua, the promise of seven, as God, and working together, strength us while enabling our growth. Mizmore 89, 1 through 21. Powerful. powerful. <laughs> it is powerful. It, <laughs> yes and from uh, from this we uh, we move forward because um uh, it's hard to imagine but it does get better this is this is uh, um song this is the most powerful prophecy in the entire uh, uh torah and prophets um this is the key that unlocks heaven's door it is the means that Yahweh offered for us to fully appreciate the nature of the covenant, and then to avail ourselves of the covenant's benefits. Mm-hmm. Yes, everyone knows that Yahweh chose to work with the great liberator, to free his people from Israel, Egypt. But they do not know that he chose to work with his beloved son, Do to a the most important four in human history. Pisach, Masa, Bikotam, and Shabuwa in year 4,000 ya and more than anything that is this song is about. Right. Well, we've, on web. way up, up, our talk radio is going to cut us off any imagine the program before we reach this point and um, right. i look forward to continuing next week but um, for all who are listening may i encourage you to go to yadaya.com pull uh, first volume of coming home towards the right side of the bookshelf, down off the shelf we are sharing from volume one um, this happens to be on where we stopped this evening on page 471 of volume one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would encourage you to read what uh, we shared this evening and even prepare yourself for next week by reading what follows. Um, the written word is a far more effective and powerful communicator than uh, the oral presentation that we are providing. Uh, It's all there for you for free. You have a chance to validate, uh, corroborate all of the translations. Every word in Hebrew is presented for you to do that very thing. Take your time. uh, Study it. Make the connections to understand it. It is all there for you. And there is no more important message for God's people, Yisrael and Yaudem, then the realization that your Savior and your Messiah is none other than Doe David. Well, thank you for listening. Um, happy Shabbat to one and all, and we look forward to being with you this time. You. Being are again for salty uh, language, but, you know, I've always thought of salt as a good thing. It adds flavor. <laughs> and it uh preserves uh uh something that is nutritious. Um so uh if uh, if we're a, a bit salty and you know I've I'm a, I'm a captain. Um I'm, I've been called an old salt. Uh, I wouldn't make oh, an apology for, for wouldn't make yeah, I wouldn't make an apology for for any of that. Uh and I can tell you that Yahweh's language is a bit salty as well. Mm. So uh I think it's a compliment. The, uh, the search <laughs> bots of, uh, of the thought police obviously don't like it, but they are convinced that, uh, uh, that uh, hate is a terrible thing when Yahweh sees it as a virtue. It is imperative that we learn uh, what and how to, uh, to hate if we are to show mercy uh, to uh, those who are victims of so many um, foolish ideas. So, again, thank you for listening. We look forward to being with you uh, next week, as salty as ever. (laughs) (laughs)